You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Friday to you all and welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live and I'm joined by everyone's uh, favorite guitar player, uh, Mike, or, uh, Michael Sweet was in the background, that's why I said that. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> see, what you, see what you do to me? That guy is around here somewhere. Oz Fox is here and his other counterpart, uh, he just disappeared, but we may see him throughout the evening. He's right here, look. <laughs> Pop in and say hi. There you go. See, I, I always have these these uh, kerfluffles hey, when... Man. It's, you guys do your thing. I look at what I'm holding. Dirty laundry. Life of a rock That's star. That's what I'm doing right now. Laundry. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I, I left all my stuff in the uh, in, in the washing we'll machine. We'll take care of it. But hey, brother, you guys have a great uh, podcast. and It's good to see you, man. You're growing your hair long. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're looking sharp, man. Look at all this gear. Oh, man, that's a ton of stuff. Thank yeah, you. Nice. Guys, have fun. All right. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> I, I swear to God, sometimes, you know, doing these test calls is a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing because I get so sidetracked talking to, you know, we're ad-libbing and having some fun off the air. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyways, Oz, how you doing, man? You got a break from the uh, bit of the tour uh, day off today. And you're obviously, I was asking if you're at a hotel, but you're at Michael's place. So how is uh, how you been doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's really awesome that the tour is, uh, we just got done with our fifth show of the tour. Um, and that's n- not counting what we did in Italy, yeah. uh, on April, in, back in, uh, April. 28th or something like that, I think, right? Somewhere in we there? were there and we, we were there for about five days and we played, uh, an acoustic show on a Friday and then a festival on a Saturday. So it was uh, it was really really cool. It's nice to be in Italy again. Yeah, been there. We've been there before. So was it comfortable weather while your stay was there? Y- yes, it was really nice. The sun was out. It was warm. It was just beautiful. So we had a good time there in Milan, Italy. What a so, way to kick off the tour. Yeah, I know. And 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 that was the first show we had with our new bass player uh, Perry Richardson. Okay, uh, good. And I'm going to so, ask you some questions about that later on, too, as well, to see how yeah. things are going that way. But, um, I mean, some bands, some of their first shows of the tour could be like, you know, uh, you know, a dive in the middle of the winter somewhere. And, you know, <laughs> you're lucky that way. Yes, I would have to say we're very blessed to be able to start off a tour uh, going going to Italy and <laughs> hanging out. It's great. If I if I <laughs> recall correctly, I think Michael was telling me when the last time he was on, there were some times a while back, like last couple of years ago, whatever, you were doing some tours and you were kind of snowed in some places. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we, we well, uh, there was one time when uh, we had a show out here uh, on the East Coast at a place called Mohegan Sun. Oh yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty popular casino out mm-hmm. here, and um, it was it, a storm was coming in. It was already in the middle of winter in January, and uh, 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 Robert and I were getting ready to fly in to Rhode Island. And uh, we were going to have a stop, uh, a, a plane change in Chicago um, over at Midway. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so we get to Midway. And, and I remember before we even got on the plane, because Robert and I live in Las Vegas, uh, before we even got on the plane, Michael was on the phone with us saying, don't get on the plane. Don't get on the plane. You're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. 
And our booking agent was on the other end going, no, they have to go. They got to try to go. <laughs> you know, and yeah. my guitar had gotten on the plane uh, and it was checked in. And I'm like, you know what? My guitar is checked in. I'm just going to go. Sure. You know, let's take a chance. So we got to Midway and sure enough, our, our flight got canceled. Oh. And there wasn't going to be another flight out until like the following Tuesday, which mm-hmm. we were flying out on a Wednesday. Okay. So it was, that was the, the, the January of 2014, which there was this blizzard that came in and they called it Chiberia. Okay. Because Chicago got hit so hard. Siberia, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, boy, we were stuck there. Uh, we, we, first of all, we stayed, I stayed up all night trying to see if we can get a flight out of there to get into either Hartford or Rhode Island or whatever. And it just wasn't going to happen. And, um, fortunately a good friend of mine is, uh, is, is he lives in Chicago and he's actually the guy that, uh, works is a partner with me on my website business. And, um, uh, and he came and picked us up. And we stayed with uh, his hit with him and at his parents' house, and his mom cooked for us. And I mean, we it was like a vacation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was really awesome. So, you know, I don't know. Somehow or another, even the worst of times can become some of the best times. Oh yeah, silver lining <laughs> in every cloud, right? Of, of course. And, yeah. and I'm sure that's not the most horrific tour story you've got. If you go back over your career, I mean, that's you, uh, we need these bad ones sometimes to really appreciate the good ones. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Let's say hi to a few people over in the chat. We got a bunch of people that are really excited for you. Uh, as I was mentioning off the air, uh, my good friend Darren Moore, more rock and rolls here, saying excited for this one. Paul Perkins is here, saying thanks for having Oz on, Eric. Um, and you know what really inspired this too was discussion over in the uh, Line Six Helix uh, Facebook groups. Chad Boston runs a really good group over there. Uh, it's actually the largest one out there. He's got over 14,000 um, uh, people out there. The Line 6 family original. I, I always forget the name of it, but people are saying, Eric, you should try and get uh, Oz on because they saw this Helix stuff. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's see what we can do. Um, North of Port says, very cool. Looking forward to this one. Thanks. JJ Collins is here saying, hey, everyone. Joseph Sherman, hello from Colorado. Blimpus, oh my God, I'm excited for this. Quentin James is here saying, hey, all. Um, this is cool. Uh, Paul Perkins says he's going to be seeing Striper in Green Bay on Friday and Bratfest in Madison, Wisconsin. Super stoked. The new album is killer. Great feedback. Thank you, Paul. And nice. he saw them. He saw you in Cleveland last Sunday night. They put on a great show. Fantastic. Awesome. Good. Serious yeah. fan. Jay's Tacos and Guitars saying this is going to be rad. Mississippi Treasure Hunter says hi, Eric and Oz. Um, okay, here's here's a fan question right off the get-go. Here's from Paul again, too. Super fan says, uh, Oz, what guitars did you use in the studio on the Goddamn Evil uh, record, and will you be bringing any of your old Jacksons on tour? Well, uh, let's see. If I can recall, um, I, I, I believe I brought, uh, I, I brought a Jackson solos with me mm-hmm. to the uh, my old, actually my old uh, Bengal, Tiger uh, Jackson from the To Hell with the Devil. Mm-hmm. I still have that guitar. I still play it. Um, it's a great guitar. I yeah. mean, that was that was the guitar that Grover Jackson handed it to me oh, personally wow. and rubbed the top of my head and basically <laughs> said, "It's all yours," you know. And wow. no, it was it's it's just one of those things. I, I'd never let it go, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, 
I, I did bring that guitar, and I also at that time had the uh, the Variax shipped to me to the studio. Mm-hmm. I got a James Tyler Variax uh, sent to me, which I was still learning how to use it, so I really didn't get much use of it in the studio. Um, it, it was it had just come to me. I had to sit down and start reading instructions on it, and it's a very involved piece of equipment. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so you know, but but I, I I believe I used the Jackson for a few things. We used a few of Michael's guitars. Michael's got so many guitars, it's <laughs> insane, and they're all really nice guitars. So for me, it's nice to have a selection of different guitars to use. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes you know some of his old favorites are there. Is he's got some some real nice uh, Paul Reed Smiths that sound great, and. Um, uh, he's got a couple of knockoff Les Pauls that we tried and we actually used. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, I don't know if anybody's heard of uh, it's a brand called Grassroots. No, I haven't heard um, of that. They're out of Korea. Okay. And uh, they make some really nice knockoffs. And a partner of mine, another friend of mine, uh, he uh, uh, got an overstock of them. And they look just like, I mean, they look just like Les Pauls. Wow. And they got the bookend top, you know, the book top. Yeah. Um, and everything and uh and they play really nice well-made guitars so he put some new pickups in one of them and actually played a clean guitar in uh uh in a song called can't live without your love with that guitar um but the majority of it i would say the majority of the stuff was played on uh one of michael's paul reed smith's because it just felt good it had mm-hmm. a good tone to it and uh and i did some soloing with my jackson and uh i'm not soloing but like little parts yeah. of uh part part like harmony parts because yeah. that's when we go in the studio we pretty much just get drums bass rhythm guitars and some harmony guitars that we work out and then what i do is i go home and uh michael you know when we're all done with that michael comes home and he does all his vocals and i go home and i do all my solos at home and um so I can do it in my home, my little home studio that I have, and I send the tracks in, and they just pop them right in. Well, that's perfect. So, yeah, yeah. And that most, I would have to say, all of everything that I did was on my Jackson soloist, my, my old uh, tiger-striped soloist that I've had for years. So, you know, it's just sometimes those favorites are, are you know, why why fix something that isn't broke? You that's know? right. That's right. The way the way I look at it as well too. You always have a guitar. I have one here as well too. We all do. We have that one guitar. I'm sure. You know, you might pick up five or six in a row, and they all have a story. But one really has a story, and that one, I guess, you said, you know, handed to you, kind of blessing to you. The you know the mojo passed on to you. Um, yeah. You know, it, I'm sure you can look back at that guitar, and you know, if there's one you have to know, you can count on. Uh, even if there's a guitar that's better or inferior, you know that one is going to be the one that's going to not let you down. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, nice story on that one too. So that's a good answer for Paul Perkins there asking about uh, the studio. Uh, let's have a look here. Who else we've got? We've got J.D. Gonzalez all the way from Ven- Venezuela, which is very cool. He pops in here from time to time. Kyle Scott is here. Um, Coffee Drinker is here. This He was really excited about this one. Brian Gazelle says, would love to know how Oz incorporates the Helix into his live rig. Did he model any amps? or use it just for effects or routing. So there, there you go. That is a perfect question, and I had that on the itinerary for the evening. Um, tell us when Helix kind of came into your life and uh, um, how you do incorporate it into your rig. Well, uh, let's go way back to 2005. Okay. 
when uh, we were uh, doing, uh, we were, uh, let's see, what was it? I think it was a Reborn album. Mm-hmm. And we were going to start touring for that. And uh, I needed something that, because uh, at, at that time, I really didn't have much gear. Um, and uh, amp-wise, at least, I had sold most of my stuff off, mm-hmm. except for a few goodies that I kept. But um, but they were just too big and bulky to, to tour with. And um, Michael had suggested to me, uh, uh, and Michael's like a equipment guru. Yeah, he is. You know, he knows a lot about gear. Um, <clears throat> uh, Michael had suggested the uh, Pod XT Live. Okay, right, right. That was when they first came out with a floorboard model of amp modeling and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, I went in, I found one, checked it out, started working with it. And I got a tone that, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty much got that striper tone that mm-hmm. I needed. Um, and then I think afterwards um, they came out with the HD uh, series, mm-hmm. and I ended up with an HD 500, and I played with that when they came out with it, and um, and, and I played for several tours uh, after I got it, and it just seemed to work really well for me. It got the tone I needed, even better than the XT Live. Um, I still have my old XT live, by the way. <laughs> nice. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I still have it at home. It's like sitting there smiling at me every time I walk past <laughs> it. But, um, um, and so I used the HD 500 for quite a bit, for quite a long time. Line six actually gave those to us to use. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole bunch of line six gear that tour, uh, that we toured with. Um, and then, um, obviously as time went on, they came out with, uh, um, well, uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, we had seen the fractal axe effects is, um, at, that had come out, mm-hmm. and and at that time they were all rack mounted. Uh, uh, it was rack mount gear, right? And 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 I really didn't want to go with any rack mount gear. I didn't want to have to worry about you know getting cases for it, and and I still kept my HD five hundred with me. And I think Michael ended up using a, a fractal for a long time, and 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 then uh, and then when the Helix came out, it was like, wow, this is right up my alley. I, I like the way it looks. Um, I like the choices in it, and I can route everything totally different than I would have on a HD 500. So um, I I made a connection with a guy named Matt Ferguson over at Line Six, and and uh, and he. Uh, Soon as, as soon as he had one available, he sent it to me, and I started using it um, back, and that was back in, I think we did the 2016 tours with that Helix. Okay. Which, um, you know, I mean, it was just a, a great a great piece of equipment to have on hand that I could dial in whatever I wanted and pick different models and and uh, cabinets, you know, effects, comp limiters, everything was in it that gave me choices. Uh, and um, so um, I, I, I started messing around with all the different models. And I, I, I think that the, the amp that pretty much came close to that, that uh, saturated style of distortion for the kind of guitar playing that I play... Uh, was the angle? Oh, right on. The angle 
the and it's like an it's actually they call it angle. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, <laughs> they can't really call it an angle. That's right. But um, and and it was uh, it, it had a pretty good tone to it. It was just alone without any kind of a, a, a you know like a tube screamer or something in mm-hmm. the front of it. it sounded yeah. really good. But I do use the. Uh, um, uh, I believe it's it's the model of uh, the uh, the the Ibanez Tube Screamer. Oh right, uh, right, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I use that in the front of it to kind of give it that extra sizzle, a little bit of bite. It's, yeah, it 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 kind of what, what we do with that is we bring the low end out, and um, you know it kind of gets this um, a saturated mid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it gives us enough of that real sustaining distortion that uh, that we need to, to do what we do in Striper, right? And uh, so that's that's what I started doing. And then obviously, as time went on, I began to learn more about how to uh, connect the two separate processing lines, right? Yep, two paths. And it, it, yeah, so you can actually take the first processor and connect it to the next processor and then and then you have instead of two channels it's just one long chain of of uh of memory yeah sharing dsp between two right and and it really works great for me because then i can really expand on everything and put it all because i run so many different i'm even using uh i'm using it for drop d uh tuning so pitch got pitch in there yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm using it for actually. It's what it's doing is it's it's kind of doing the same thing that a, a, a Digitech Dropbox does. Yes. It, it just drops the whole thing a step. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple of songs where we do that um, on this tour. But uh, man, it's just great to have all those options at my fingertips. And um, I, I, I I'm just really happy to have it. And I know I know that. You know, since since the Pod XT Live and then into the HD 500 mm-hmm. series, they just keep getting better and better. And I can't, I can't, I couldn't imagine what they're going to come up with in the next year or two. You know, I know. I think Which, we'll, I think we'll see the Helix stay the same as far as hardware for the next few years. It's just with firmware that they keep. I mean, it's it's so great. Like Eric Klein has mentioned several times, there's no real need at the moment to go hardware uh, leapfrogging. Because firmware can do so much. There's so much built yes. into that. Right. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the fact that you shared what you're using before because it's really funny. I did not get a chance to make a, a physical note of this, but I was speaking with Frank Rashad today. Uh, you probably know Frank. Uh, he's a senior director of operations there, and he told me the exact same, same thing you just did. He told me, yeah, yeah, by the way, Oz used this, and he used this, and he used this, and so <laughs> you said it all. It was great. Right. But, but I'm curious, Do you? and this was a question some other people had as well too, do you just run in and directly to the power amp of some of your amplifiers, or do you do a four-cable method, or how, how do you kind of uh, integrate it fully into the rig? Well, um, for the longest time, um, what I was doing was taking um, taking the 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 the, the output mm-hmm. one output. I don't do stereo. That's fine because stereo is such a pain. Yeah, can be. You know, I mean, you have to run two separate power sources, and I just I don't I like to keep it as simple as possible. Even though I'm complicating my stealth by you know all yeah. these different things I do with the Helix, mm-hmm. but. 
but that's easy. That's easy. That, that's at my fingers right here on the desk, you know, or, or on my computer. Cause mm-hmm. I do use the editing software quite a bit. Good. Um, when I'm, when I'm running it at home, but, um, um, so what, what I've been doing live is taking the helix and, um, whenever we would tour, I would run it into a, uh, I, I had, and I still have a strategy 400 Mesa boogie power amp, Okay, which, which is uh 200 Watts aside tube. Okay. Um, and, um, it's in a rack and, and we have it in storage and, and, um, uh, and I would, uh, my, 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 uh, strategy 400 had a, a, a a, uh, a, a mono input to run to both channels. Uh, it was kind of a bridge. It was bridged, yeah, yeah together. And uh, they modified it. Boogie modified it for me a long time ago to do that. And um, so I would use that and um, and toured with it. And of course, you know that's an old piece of gear. It's not. It's. I mean, you know, for me, taking out old gear like that. You, 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 I, first of all, I don't want to mess any of that gear up, and it gets bounced around in the in the uh, trailer. It's a gamble that we carry, and it is a gamble that that stuff could get messed up, mm-hmm. and uh, something can happen to it. I mean, it's really, you know, kind of one of those things that I always kind of get mm-hmm. irked about. But but other than that, what happened was, um, <clears throat> if if I wasn't touring in a bus, we would have fly dates. Right. So what I would do was I would order a, uh, um, a, a, a every time on the rider for backline gear, I would ask for uh, dual rectifiers, the three channel dual rectifiers, and I would just run into the front end of the uh, triple rec or dual rec with um, with a um, uh, with the clean channel gotcha, on. Gotcha. So I'd use the clean channel and I'd use the knobs as like an EQ. Okay. And that was working for me. It, it worked and it sounded okay, but it was still always kind of, you know, you know, you still had to deal with that extra preamp stage that was kind of dirty that they had because those, those amps were supposed to have some kind of a bit of a distortion to them mm-hmm. going into the into the power stage and and so for me it, it, it got by okay you know if i ever had to use a marshall it was like the worst because marshals are the, not clean they are meant to be dirty all the time and running a helix you know or any other uh, uh processor like that into the front of a marshall is just impossible to get a good tone mm-hmm. Um, you can do it and get by, but man, you're going to be able to have a lot of high end, the low end is not very good. And, you know, it's just, just pain. Yeah. But I did, I, I made it work with the, the, uh, with the boogie dual rectifiers. And then, um, um, and then, uh, there was one time when, uh, let's see, Michael had, uh, gotten his hands on some carbon B2000 base heads. Mm. That'd be clean. Which is very clean. Mm-hmm. And it's got some pretty, pretty cool, um, EQing in the, in the, you know, in the knobs there in the probably, front end. Probably parametric, I think. It, it, some of it, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, 2,000 watts of clean power, you <laughs> That's know, running it four ohms or whatever. Lots of headroom. I room. mean, a lot of headroom, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, so 
what we tried that it sounded good michael was using it for some stuff here and and so i tried it and it and then uh eventually what happens i started playing in vegas uh quite a bit i have a couple of bands in vegas um i play in a band called the sin city sinners okay uh, when i'm at home there's also a band called heart attack that i play in okay um and uh i i i was i was doing the same thing kind of idea uh with a boogie head uh but it's my i would use my old mark ii c head that i've had since 1986 and i plug it into the return uh of the effects loop mm-hmm. and it give it would give me the same thing the power that i needed it was 100 watts and um and, it, and the graphic was active because it was post um uh, loop okay so so it was nice to have that and use that at gigs in Vegas. Well, when you're playing, you know, several times a week, um, and you're having to have to hump your gear up on stages, that that gets old, you know, carrying Quickly. around a, a huge head and yep. you know, a cabinet and all that stuff. Um, so I started looking around at smaller amps mm-hmm. and recently got my hands on. And this was at the end of last year. I got my hands on an MB500 Gallium Kruger okay. bass amp. It's very small. Mm-hmm. It weighs about four and a half pounds. That is small. And it's 500 watts. Fantastic. And, and it's got a whole bunch of different, you know, EQing in the front end. And it, I tell you, and then, and then I went out and bought myself one of those compact rectifier cabinets you know okay. those smaller 26 inch uh 212 cabs that, that mesa boogie makes mm-hmm. and that combination with the helix power powering the helix with that has just been sweet just because i don't have to break my back so much carrying all that gear and um man i tell you that 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 has done it so i ended up bringing the mb500 out to uh rehearsals here at Michael's house mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in, uh, I want to say it was in October of last year, uh, pre pre-production for the album. And Michael plugged into it with, with his pedal. He's got a signature pedal from ISP. Yeah. The Theta Pro. And, right. And, um, he was like, this is great. He loved it. So then we ended up buying, uh, uh he's got two of them and I've got two of them and we've got them on the road with us now. Oh, cool. <laughs> So that's what we're powering our stuff with right now. Are those MB? We've got five. We've got two 500s and two 800s now. So you're using so, one one of each for backup. I, I, I would assume. Uh, well, yeah, they're definitely backups, but we use them all. Okay. I, I, the way I run my rig, I have got uh, four uh, Mesa Boogie four by twelve cabinets behind me, and um, the bottom cabinets I run with uh, one one of the power amps, the top cabinets I run with another uh, power amp. And then I just kind of bring in the tops enough so I can hear a little bit of a monitor there. And the lower, the bottom cabinets are pushing more volume. So, and they usually mic that. So, but, um, yeah, that works for us. 
you know? That's fantastic. Well, the days of yesterday, you know, like when you guys were first getting into it, um, you know, everything throughout the 80s and whatnot, too, it was all about proving before you even uh, got on the stage and played your note, you had to look like you owned the place. You had the backline had to be towering like, a, you know, a wall. And it's, nowadays, even most bands that are used to do that, it's not about the impression where you're getting cleaner stages, a lot of modeling stuff. No one, it rather, even though you're not lugging most of your stuff anymore, um, you know, you're still lugging a little bit it's not you, you don't need to kill yourself anymore no one wants to kill themselves out there lugging the stuff and right. being in a wheelchair right exactly yeah. well and and then you know this tour there's going to be some small small stages we're going to have to play on yep and that's uh, cool because we booked a whole bunch of different shows and some of them are huge places and some of them are very small just mm-hmm. to fill in those dates between tuesday and thursday of course you know we're going to have to do that um, and so we're we're looking into picking up those monitors, uh, those small wedges that you get. Uh, they're like, I think they're like thousand watts mm-hmm. uh, or two thousand watts or something from Headrush. I don't know if you've seen those. Actually, I, I have, and you you probably haven't even seen these yet either. Those are very 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 cool. I haven't played yeah. through one yet, but Line Six just brought one out too. I just did a demo on it today. Have you seen the power cabs? No, I haven't seen that. Do do me a favor, do yourself a favor, and take a look. They're about two hundred fifty watts. Uh, okay. And I just did a demo on one today. Um, they're, uh, you can use them flat response if you want out of the Helix, or they have, which here's the cool thing, speaker emulation in there with about six different uh, models from uh, Celestian, the Creambacks, all that kind of stuff. You should, yeah. just, before you make a, you know, a, you know, I'm not trying to sway you either way, have a look yeah. at it. You'd love it. Wow. Yeah. And okay. that's 35 pounds, man. And it, I mean, even th- a light 35 pounds. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I didn't even know about those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, take a look. I'll send you a link. I'll text you after the show. I'll okay, text you yeah, over the weekend. That. But that that's, so that's, a, that's cool. So that's my rig, basically. That's what kind of a little history and you oh. know, connection of how I run everything. The fans love that because, you know, you, let's say you're in a big arena. It's easier when you're at some, some of these smaller clubs. You get you guys up front. They want the gear guys. They want to see what you're using. They can look at your helix. They can see what you're running back there for your amps, rack, everything like that. But you're in an arena. It's like the, you might see some kind of a big black pedal board, and that's all they know you've got. So it's nice to put the pieces to the puzzle. But I, right. I do I do think as much as, you know, sometimes, you know, musicians will say, well, we have to put a Tuesday and a Wednesday show in here between the two arenas. Those small shows sometimes can be big, better than the arena shows. You've got, right. you know, you're it's sweaty, you're up there into intimate with uh, the fans. Um, there's this intravenous connection between you and the fan that you, because the arena, as you would obviously know, I would never know this, but, you know, the arena, you probably never see the same person twice. And in, right. in the club, you're looking at, you know, some dude getting into it, whatever, or a girl or whatever, and you're connecting, you get to meet some of the fans. That's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is really nice. And I, I enjoy that. I enjoy doing, um, especially like in Vegas, uh, playing places like uh, Fremont Street. Okay. And, and, uh, and you're playing on a Sunday night, and uh, all of a sudden, you, you, I'm, I'm seeing people that, uh, I used to go to high school with. Nice. <laughs> you know, they come showing, what are you doing? I couldn't believe it was you playing on the stage. And, and, you know, <laughs> I'm up there buddies. from jamming Zeppelin and everything else. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, your friends yeah. probably start coming out of the woodwork. And, you know, I know him. We're best friends. Meanwhile, you might not have actually been best friends, but now that you're a famous rock celebrity, remember <laughs> we we hung out all the time. No, I was at your house once, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. cool, though. It's, it is good to see people from the old neighborhood for sure. Yeah. Wicked. Um, a couple more questions over in the chat or some comments. Uh, Ricky Mies is here saying, uh, hey, Eric and the Striper Dudes. Um, uh, Jay's Tacos is going to be seeing you next Saturday. Curtis Murata is here saying hello all. Aloha all. Scott Roos, hello from Nova Scotia. 
Um, wow. Harley Dude 71 says, seen Striper in San Antonio, Texas. Best concert I've been to in a long time. Uh, Lee nice. Dunn is here, the Ozman, coffee drinker. Which Mesa amp best defines the Striper tone? Uh, when you're talking about Mesa, uh, what would you say? Um, you, you know, it, I mean, if there was ever the, the Striper tone that uh, really... I think the tone that made us mm-hmm. was pretty much that tone we got with um, with the Boogie Mark II C and a Furman PQ three. Okay. Um, way back in the day, that that defined our tone, and we did that mostly. Well, it started off in the uh, on the Soldiers Under Command album. Right. That tone right there. Um, basically, all we did, all we were doing was using a head. Um, getting, uh, like, like, like say a Mark two C we take the front end of that and, and somewhat make it dirty, give it some dirt, just plugging, plugging straight in. But then we would take a Furman PQ three and slam the front end of it, uh, with the Furman from our signal and it pretty much notch around one K and just boost that all the way up, but then take out all of like somewhere in like 60 hertz we dumped that completely out and what happened was it would it would kind of overdrive the front end to the point where it 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 saturated wow and almost sound like it was compressed nice And, and, and and it really gave us that sound in fact we were just talking about that we were just talking about how um there's a tone you can hear that's very similar to that um, in some, uh, old stuff with Dimebag. Okay. And, yeah. Um, and he, there's an interview Michael saw one time way back where Dime talked about how, uh, he, he heard that we used the PQ3 and he liked it and he used, started using it. Isn't that a compliment? Well, I mean, it, it, it is a good tone. Yeah. It really made something unique and, um, and it was really cool to know that he had said that, you know, of course. um, uh, and, uh, you know, that the, things like that, just, I'm just really happy that, you know, we, we were able to, you know, kind of have some kind of a, I guess, a, a, a influence on someone, you know? <laughs> yeah. And someone of that, that caliber, that's phenomenal. Um, before I go back to the chat, I just want, I just had a thought for a second too. And you're talking about earlier how the angle amp was your amp in, uh, in Helix. Have you stayed pretty current with the firmware? Are you up to the latest firmware with the unit? Yeah, I think okay. it's in a 2.5, I believe. Yeah, so I, I was just curious it's, if you tried like the Placator and things like that. Yeah, see, now, I, I haven't had much time to get into listening to much else mm-hmm. lately just because I've been so busy playing. You know, so I'll, I'll get calls in Vegas from guys that want me to come sit in because in Vegas, if you can sing and play guitar, you, you get kick. work. Yeah. <laughs> They want they want guys when they you know their main guy can't he's going out of town or he's sure. sick or something so I'll get a call to come and sub you know for somebody um, so I'm I'm constantly learning music and I got the tone I got I need in in my Helix and it's slamming you know that's good um, so I haven't had a chance to look at much of the newer models but I plan on doing it the other thing I want to get into is IRs yes which I haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be my next thing when I get a little bit of time is to, you know, jump in and 
pick out some packages and start loading a few things in to see what they sound like. One of the things it, you'll find, you, you got to be careful because you can get down that rabbit hole where you, you start going into it and then you'll you'll just try so many, you'll try hundreds and you'll never actually, you'll never go anywhere. You're on a treadmill. I always just, yeah. you know, shop around a little bit. Look, even some free ones that are out there. Um, yeah. I had uh, Paul Heinmarsh, he sent me one. It was a free one and it was on some patches he sent when he came on the show to demonstrate some some tones and it was a free IR and I'll be happy to share that one with you as well too and it's like a, a selection type of something and it just sounds nice. Um, I only use probably about 10%, not even that, maybe maybe 5% of all my patches are IR based, the rest are the stock cabs. But, um, you know, if you can just find a couple and just kind of force yourself, limit yourself to not go down the rabbit hole and then you'll, you'll have fun with them for sure. But if you go down yeah. that rabbit hole, then you're, you're never going to use them. You're just going to be on that treadmill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool, though. Well, yeah, it is cool. And, and I love having the options. I mean, yes. it's just incredible. Yep. And I'm really looking forward to, to, like I said before, I know Line 6 is going to continue to do the, the, the development mm-hmm. and – you know, and I'm really looking forward to you know more things coming up with the Variax guitar, and I'm I know, yeah, really, I'm, really, really happy with it. I'm really the, the guitar itself is just an amazing guitar. I got it out on the road with me. I'm playing it live, so yeah, we saw pictures yeah. of that. I think you have the same one. I have the 89F with the Floyd, correct? Yes, perfect. You have yours is black or the red? Mine's black. Okay, there you go. I've got the blood red one. So very, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to tell you something about the uh, IRs as well, too, and I forget what I was going to say, but I will send you a link this weekend to the Power Cabs because they take IRs, too. The Power Cab Plus, you can actually load IRs into the Power Cab, which will free up a a pretty substantial chunk of DSP on the Helix. So I'll send you some links to that for sure. Okay. Uh, um, Blimpus says, uh, Oz, is there any chance of at all for a new Sin Dizzy music? Um, Yeah, Sin Dizzy. You know, Sin Sin Dizzy was a, uh, a a really awesome project that I did in the '90s, and um, and uh, a lot of it um, I would say just came from I don't know somewhere that it, it, I needed to express myself in a different way. I guess at that point in time, the I wasn't in there was no striper at the time, right? Um, and um, and I just happened to run into the right combination of guys, you know to do it with um and it basically was a demo you know um there really wasn't any record deal there wasn't uh, unless it took off there really wasn't any plans to keep going right um and and then everybody kind of ended up going separate ways and i got busy again with striper um you, you know it just kind of fell by the wayside to yeah. some degree and i i mean I, I, then our our uh, our guitar player Bobby McNeil uh, was in a, uh, a tragic accident oh. and passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and you know after that it was kind of like I don't even know if I could even go down that path again without yeah. Bobby and you know so pretty much that's history. Yeah, you know it's opinion. like life's telling you okay that was a fun chapter but you know we're 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 gonna have to move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any more efforts that I have, I'm going to do either with Striper or, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to do a solo album someday. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be you great. Know, so at, at some point, it's that's like, that's a, a big, huge, like, bucket list thing is to do, because I haven't done one, mm-hmm. honestly. I've never done a solo album. Yep. You've never seen an Ozbox solo album because I haven't done one. <laughs> 
So, so one of these days it's going to happen. It's probably not going to be the kind of music that everybody would expect. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not going to be, it's going to be a lot of my influences and, um, I, I've been studying jazz for the last three years. And, oh, cool! And, and so I'm hoping to incorporate some of that into it, which I'm, I'm, that's already affecting my playing. And I'm doing things that are uh, uh, from that all of that s- studying um, and stuff. So it's 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 great. It's really awesome. I think that'll be. A, I mean, regardless, the fan the fans are going to love it. There's no doubt about that. And even though it's not going to be what they may expect, it's going to be a very, very good thing for you to do. I think it'll be some musical therapy for yourself too. The fact that you know you've never taken the time just to say, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of time for me now and uh, and release something like that. I think it could be really good for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and and when it happens, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not the kind of person that makes a big deal out of anything. It'll yeah. just be kind of announced and hopefully people will catch on. Yeah, here you go. Does. If you want to come and grab it, come and grab it. And yeah, uh, yeah. You, you have the means to do it. You've got your own studio, you've got the gear. Uh, you just have to find the right hole and schedules and some time, and, and yeah. it'll happen. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, North of Port says, Oz, any guitar uh, company sponsorship or new guitars in your future? Well, um, I mean, I, 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 I mean, right now I'm pretty locked in, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, there's no contract or anything. It's just pretty much by, sh- by, by shake of the hand, mm-hmm. I guess. Gentleman's uh, agreement. Six, uh, them giving me, uh, the, the, they gave me the very axe to, to, you know, to start using and, and, um, and so, um, that, and I'm pretty much, um, stuck, you know, in a place with tone by using the helix mm-hmm. the way I do. I, I mean, and just right there, you know, you nice. can't, you get a tone with something and you don't want to change, you know, you just kind of like yep. right there. And, uh, so I stay pretty dedicated to the stuff that I use. Um, <clears throat> and obviously for, Line six. I've been doing it since, you know, since they came out with the XT Live. So um, it's it's great, and they they work with me, and they've been good to me, and uh, I'm I'm very happy with them. Um, as far as I, the only other thing with guitars uh, that I have going is um, uh, GMW. Yes, the question artworks. Is GMW is um, in uh, uh, Glendora, California. A guy named Lee Garber is the, uh, uh, the owner of it, and uh, Lee works out uh, deals for me so I can uh, get guitars. And you know, mm-hmm. they're very, very nice guitars. I pay for them because you know I don't really want to be signed and be an exclusive guy to any one guitar company only because i don't want to get just stuck playing one type of guitar sure i would rather play with whatever i want mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of where i'm at with that um i also uh um i, I mean not too long ago i got my hands on a gj2 which i wanted to keep my uh relationship with uh grover um going and, and getting the GJ2 was mm-hmm. pretty special for me because that was, you know, pretty much the next chapter f- that Grover got into for making his own style of guitars. And, um, so I have one of those that I use, um, every now and then, you know, I can take that out with me. It's a very nice, short, small, light guitar. It's one of the, uh, I have the Areti, uh, 
uh, uh, top of the line already guitar. Okay. It's a 22 fret with a Floyd. Really great guitar. It plays like butter. A nice travel so, guitar too, being a little bit lighter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, that's, I don't really have any plans on being with anybody unless somebody approaches me and right. for some weird reason says, hey, uh, we want you to use our guitars. We'll give you X amount. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to need at least four or five guitars you know, to play different places, and I'd like to get some money compensation for playing them. Yep, of course. You know, that's yep. kind of the way I want to do it, you yep. know, if somebody ever does that with me, which... I'm no Joe Satriani, so that's may not happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. But that's the thing, too. There has to be a bit of a two-way street, especially if you're going to get locked in, because now yeah. that kind of limits, uh, you know, it's like an actor going to do a gig and say, okay, well, you're only allowed to do this. You can't be venture out to any other gigs. Well, I'm losing some revenue here. Yeah. Yeah, for right, sure. Exactly. Yeah, Paul Perkins was going to ask you about the GMW guitar. So, uh, so there you go on that one, Paul. Scott Roos says he used the XT Live as well. Uh, Broken Chains is here saying, hi, Oz. Ricky Meese uh, says, got a question. question uh, what brought on the black and yellow? Did that have any uh, Van, any Van Halen uh, influence at all? The stripes? Um, you know, the yellow, the black and yellow started back in when Robert Sweet uh, designed his drums okay. one time in all kinds of different yellow and black shapes. And I don't know if that was because of Eddie's guitar or not, mm-hmm. but Robert really liked yellow and black. Okay. So it went from his drums to the guitars to the amps, you know, and the and then and then the outfits turned into oh, that was back in the Rock's Regime days. Yeah. And uh, and before I even started with Rock's Regime, um, I was the last guitar player for Rock's Regime. Okay. So it was shortly after that that we uh, when I joined the band, it was shortly after that that the we we got signed to record label enigma records and then enigma didn't want us to use the name rocks regime they wanted us to come up with something else okay so then that's when the name striper came into play and um and then all of a sudden bam the rest is history oh that's cool great story yeah. man I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because i didn't know that whatsoever so the shapes yeah. eventually become stripes too that's very cool yeah. Uh, so that was from Ricky Mees. Um, and this is a good question, too. Uh, Scott Roos says, would love to see some of your presets on the Helix. Always interesting to see people's approach. Now, you don't have to commit to this, but down the road sometime after you get a break on the tour, if you ever wanted to share a patch with me, uh, with our fans here, I'll put it up and uh, we'll, we'll give it a download for exclusive for EVH yeah. TV fans. That'd be awesome. You know, that'd be yeah, cool. And, and by the way, I mean, I, I, and this is something I should probably mention, is mm-hmm. that I have a website called Sir Oz Academy that um, people can subscribe to. Okay. And I will be sharing patches and tones and all that kind of stuff on my website. So Great. it's just like a it's like a 10.99 subscription okay. to get in. And um, it's by month, 10.99 a month okay. or $99 a year or something like that. But but uh, it's kind of like you know, kind of like a Netflix thing. You go in and you've got a library of guitar lessons and tones and interviews and all kinds of stuff. You know. Oh, fantastic! So um, yeah, so that's a place where I will be posting more things about the Helix in uh, in time, as well as the Variax, and uh, and I also post stuff like guitar solos that I've done on on songs. Um, you'll find some striper songs up there that you know I put together a kind of a lesson on. Oh, and, people will love that. 
Yeah. That's good because yep. there's so many tutorials out there from everybody. Some, some are good. Like, I mean, this applies to everybody, Van Halen to Striper to Steve Ray Vaughan and Kiss or, you know, whoever, um, how right. to play it. And everyone's got a certain direction, but nobody's 100% accurate. So the only person who's going to be as closest to 100% right. accurate is yourself. So that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Oh. Um, here, speaking of which, uh, we we're talking, uh, I mentioned Frank Rashad earlier. He's in the chat as well too. So Frank's here from line six. Um, uh, what was the other question here as well too? And he was just telling me today about your, your rig. So it was really nice that he was sharing that with me. Uh, yeah. P I can't say the last name. Kanarski says going to see these guys in De- uh, Des Moines in two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. can't wait. Jay's tacos guitar says, did Kiko play the first half of the lost solo? So he wants me to play it. No, he said, did did Kiko play the first uh, half of the loss? So I'm not sure what he's referring to there. Kiko? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Unless he made it. Okay. Uh, first half of the lost solo is, uh, let me see, how does that song go again? Uh, lost. Okay, no. Uh, Michael plays, it's actually in three sections. Okay. Michael plays the first section. I come in in the second section. And then there's a harmony guitar part in the third section, okay? And um, and I played the harmony part. In fact, I did it at my house, sent it to Michael, and I said, hey, here's a harmony part. Uh, you know, if you want to do one of them, then, you know, and he just threw it in. He left it. Nice. So um, so that's pretty much how that works. Okay. There's three sections of it. And have, uh, my grandson is actually in the chat. B. Carlson is here saying he's giving, wishing me good luck. So thank you, B. Appreciate that. You know who we have to talk about as well, too, is our very, very, very good mutual friend. He may be here tonight. I'm not even sure. He's, uh, but he's been with you on the road a little bit, Mr. Adam Reaver from FU Tone. How, what do you think? Oh, yeah. What's this guy do, you think, for the world of guitar players, including yourself? Like some of the world's best guitar players out there, yourself in that same company, are using this incredible product of his. Um, how, how do you think it's been helping guitar players out there? Well, obviously, it, it's it's great to have the, uh, the 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 solidness it brings to the guitar. Mm-hmm. It brings more sustain. It brings just a, a, a more of that that um, a, that true bite, mm-hmm. you know, to the guitar. Um, I've got several of my guitars loaded up with his, uh, you know, his parts, and and it's great. It's great to have it. It, it. it does feel. You can feel it. You can feel the difference. Yes, you can. And, and, and and it's amazing to have it, you know. Um, we talked about it in New York about him helping me uh, uh, work on uh, kind of doctoring up my Variax. Um, yeah. So it would, that would be really interesting to see what it does to that, you know. Um, so you know, I mean, I, I, again, I, I mean, I, I love anything that's going to make your guitar pop more and feel better and. And, and come alive, you know. Adam's doing that. He's he's his products are bringing more life to the guitar. I agree, hundred percent uh, on that. It's really awesome. It's great, great to have it. Great to have somebody as knowledgeable as he is about it all. So, you know, Adam, you're doing a good job, man. <laughs> he does. When it comes to Floyd, he's I call him the Floyd Doctor. I mean, he knows it inside yeah. and out. And it's so funny. He always laughs at me because he, he's told me 17 million times because I get all the Eddie Van Halen guys messaging me, Eric, what kind of a brass block do I need for this guitar? Which you know, which one for this one? And he's like, Eric, you can use this one for this for three of these guitars. And he always laughs at me, right? But I approach yeah. him the same thing as well too. I want to do a couple hot rods on the Variax as well. Probably about a 37 or a 42 millimeter uh, brass block uh, on the trem. 
Um, mm-hmm. More than likely on that guitar, I'd probably go with the naval brass uh, string lock blocks. I think that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then upgrade the uh, everything else with stainless steel. Just like what I always tell people, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, the stainless steel accessories are more for longevity than they are the tone. They're just mm-hmm. to prevent rust and corrosion, you know, stripping and, and seizing. Everything else will do your tonal increases. Like your brass block, of course, that's when your guitar just instantly sings 10 dB right. louder than before, you know. Right. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's great. Great stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so. brought up a lot here on the show for sure. So I know he was with you guys uh, at M3 for sure, right? Um, he, uh, was he there? Yeah, he, I think he was there for M3, but he also came to New York. Yeah, right, right. And he did some stuff for, uh, for, he did some work for Michael right there. Perfect. Right on the spot. Yeah. So it's great. It's great that he's, uh, out there making a difference for us, you know? (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So we can't have a show here without uh, mentioning, I mean, it's an EVH-themed show. I want to talk a little bit about Eddie Van Halen, and uh, I'd like to know what your thoughts were like the first time you heard his music, and uh, maybe how old you were at the time, and how did it impact you as a guitar player after hearing whatever it was you did from Van Halen? It had to be It had to be 1978. Oh, nice. Uh, I had a clock radio, and it wasn't even digital. It had these flappy numbers that flapped down. Okay. Okay. And um, it, it, and I had to wake up for school at like I don't know, like seven in the morning or something like that. And one day at right at seven o'clock, my alarm went off, and you really got me started. Oh, cool! And it started on the radio. I had it on KL, KLOS or KMET, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And and that was in California, by the way, in Southern California. And I hear this guitar, and I'm thinking, oh, the kinks. But then I heard all these licks coming out of it <laughs> and tone and, you know, deeply rough, you know what he sang at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is this? I just I sat up in my bed, and I'm like, oh, my God, who is this guy, you know? And then afterwards, they mentioned it was Van Halen. And I went to uh, I went and talked to all my musician friends. Have you heard of Van Halen? You really got me? And they're like, that's old news, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, holy mackerel. You know, so at that point, I bought the first album. <clears throat> and my mom had a turntable that um, was 33, you know, 45, played mm-hmm. 33s, 45s. Uh, in 78s or whatever, but it also had a 16 speed on it. Oh, slow it down. It was almost, almost a half speed. Okay. At 16 speed with the, with the record, with the record player. Right. And I just find those spots in the, in the, in the vinyl where the solos were. And I would listen to note for note, everything he was doing. Then I would go to the concerts and get his, get squished <laughs> As close as I could to go watch Eddie and see where his finger positions were. <laughs> yeah, prehistoric YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's all we yeah, had. That's I, all you I never, had. I never really. I ne- I I wasn't able to really go out and see him in the clubs. I was too young, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so, yeah. Uh, after a long uh, period of really doing my research on Eddie, I finally would learn a good amount of songs from him note for note. And I tried to get that, that tone and, and everything. I mean, you know, and I probably don't play I've had a number of, even to this day, I still mess around with all of those uh, licks that I learned way back. Mm-hmm. Cause they're cool to warm up on and, you know, 
goof off with. Sure. And I've had other guys that are really good at it come up to me and say, no, you're playing that wrong. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion, though. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, Eddie was a huge, huge influence on me. Um, and I, I, I have to, I mean, I have to admit, I wouldn't be the guitar player I, I am now if it wasn't for Ed, you know. And, um, you know, he did a lot for me in getting me that, giving me that jolt of wanting to be, you know, a better player and, and have some kind of different thing go on in my life as a player, you know. And mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, pretty he's much. Done, he's done that for a lot of people. Free. He's done that for a lot of people, and that's very cool. But you want to, what I really like about the guy is this folklore. Okay, so back in the day, you had a record player that would slow it down to almost half speed, and you'd go catch a couple shows, and that was your introduction to Van Halen as far as learning it. That's the best you had. You didn't have the tab books back then. You didn't have internet back then, or even video cassettes like lessons that we have or we used to have a few years back. Um, but now, you know, like as you say, you get buddies come up to you saying, "Hey, Oz, you're doing that wrong." And that's you're, the, that guy himself is going to be told by the next guy, hey, Bob, you're doing it wrong. There's this folklore that follows Eddie Van Halen that, you know, everybody is doing it wrong. You know, everyone's getting close, right? You know, and just no one's getting it 100% right. Like Adam Adam said, I was watching one of my videos back on my channel here. I've got one because uh, someone was commenting on it. And I, I posted the, in my opinion, the three best tributes of eruption that out there by fans, right? Uh, and Dweezil Zappa was one of them. Pete Thorne was one. And um, a Canadian uh, friend here, uh, uh, Jacob Duraps, he's another one as well, too. And each of these, uh, you know, protégés play it very, very close, right? But Adam actually made a comment. Adam was a guest, a lot of cameo guests on there. And he says, there's nobody plays it like the dude, you know, or the man, he says, you know. And he says, that, you know, everyone comes close or a lot of people come close. Some people come like almost like a mirror, but no one does it like the man. And that's true. You watch him different and just his 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 attack, his approach, um, you know, distortion from his hands practically. You know, he can take a clean guitar and distort it, you know, just from mm. that crazy attack. So it's very cool. It's very cool. Yep. Walking uh, folklore. Definitely. Definitely have to uh, owe it to Eddie. Yeah. You know, moments. So what there, about, you know? what about <laughs> let's talk Let's talk some calling cards, like for yourself. What would you say, okay, so, you know, you're giving someone your speech. Let's say you're uh, a band, is, someone's, you know, kind of uh, headhunting you for a band. What would you say your calling card is yourself? What is your strongest asset that you bring to, uh, to bands? You mean like... Uh, like, to influencing them? Um, um, no, maybe just like, okay, are you, are you like, a, are you a guy that can fit in the pocket? Are you a guy that, uh, uh, you know, can, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, no charts, and just adapt anything? Uh, is it vocals? Oh. Yeah, like, what, what do you think of some of your assets that you bring in? It might not just be a certain talent on the guitar. It could be anything. Well, uh, I'm a good faker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, improvise, yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I could fake my way through a bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, if it, if it, it works. It sounds halfway decent, but, you know, but on top of that, I can sing. Yes, important. Like you said, with the Vegas things, that's why you get picked up a lot there as well, too. Yeah, so being able to sing and play, um, whether it's, and I don't like being a lead vocalist. It's it's too much work. Um, I would rather not be a lead vocalist. I'd rather be a background singer. Um, it gives me... A little less to you know worry about when I have to figure out where you know where to play here, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> but um, um, I, I mean you know I don't know I just I don't know how to answer that other no, no, than that's, that's a good answer. You know, 
I do my thing, you mm-hmm. know, I, just, I, I have a, a, a number of things that I know how to pull out of my frets and, mm-hmm. and, and I get in there and I, and I, I have a tougher time playing with clean guitar or cleaner guitar. Mm-hmm. So I've got to always have this tone that's, you know, like a jet engine, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that whole, I, I came from that whole school of, of the big guitar distorted tones mm-hmm. like Van Halen and Randy Rhodes and, and all that stuff. So, which by the way, I have a pretty cool Randy Rhodes patch in my, in my Helix. I oh, nice. Just, you made it. Uh, I, I, I pretty much dialed it in and we used it for the Randy Rhodes remembered, uh, um, shows at, in Vegas that we've been doing. And, uh, and Stacy Blades, I don't know if you know Stacy. He's another good friend of yeah. mine. He lives in Vegas. Okay. He he likes to use that tone. He plays, you know, um, Believer and all that cool stuff. So, but I mean, that those tones just filled the room. Yeah. You know, it, it was that those were the kind of guitar tones that huge. You know and. And that's what I use. I use that tone, and I'm more familiar with that. It's more sensitive, and it responds, and gives you more harmonics. And you can do a lot of cool things. You can do things, cool things with chords. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to have that kind of uh, uh, way of playing um, to be. But then when it comes to trying to play, like, you, you know. Um, when it comes to playing cleaner guitar, that I have to, I have trouble doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to play "Sweet Home Alabama," you know, <laughs> and you got to clean your guitar up a little more with that. Yeah, and trying to do all those licks, man, it just it just drives me nuts. I can't. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. I mean, I could do them, but it's just it's better if I had more distortion. Yeah, and it, I don't have to worry too much about you know getting the pick. Yeah, tone out or anything. So I think you just made a lot of guitar players happy, including myself. I know for a fact you made a lot of guitar players happy because <laughs> you know a lot of us. And I'll admit that I'm a one trick pony, and and there's a lot of one trick ponies out there, and there's other ones that have a million tricks up their sleeves. Um, but myself, you know, I, I, I look at it as when you don't have that gain or your comfort zone, maybe it's a, a reverb and a delay and your nice distortion that you're used to, you feel like you're running down the street half naked and it's a very uncomfortable situation, especially like you say, if you're in, at a, uh, in some type of an improv type of a gig or you're the hired guy and, um, you're doing something out of your comfort zone, you don't have your tone, you know, probably at the end of the night, the audience is going to, including the band can say, you did a good job, Oz. Uh, but you're probably looking at yourself saying, how did I get through that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That happens quite a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, I know doing the jazz uh, thing um, that you got to play completely clean with that. Yeah. But the cool thing about that is I'm learning to play more stuff with that clean tone in that jazz style, mm-hmm. uh, more chord melody. Um, you know, learning how to do the the way jazz players play their arpeggios. It, it's weird. It's like when you learn that, it, it, it's almost like it, you don't really have to worry too much about having distortion because there's a certain way that that style of playing gives you the ability to play with clean strings. I agree. You know, agree. really weird. I mean, I'm learning all this stuff as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hopefully when I'm in my 60s, I'm 56 right now. I'll be 57 in June. But hopefully when I'm in my mid-60s, I can 
just kind of go to like some of these lounges in Vegas and, you know, sit in and, you know, maybe sub for some guys, you know, yeah. and, and not really tour too much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm getting that old, I don't know how much more I'm going to want to be out on the road. Yeah, Michael says is, the same thing too, but yeah, hopefully we won't be doing it in our 70s, you know. <laughs> That's right. Well, I have one more question for you in a second, but before we do this, I, this was kind of uh, down the same avenue that we're on. When you're talking about the jazz things, uh, making you play a little cleaner, one of the things I think you will appreciate with your very acts, I've discovered this many times, is uh, because you know sometimes it's hard for us to grab a really cool riff and, and rock out on an acoustic guitar with action that's two and a half times as high as some of our electrics. And we get spoiled with that very axe. You know, I was doing some Van Halen stuff earlier today and you get to kind of shred a little bit and you're, you're playing on an acoustic of, of for lack of a better words with piezos, 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 whatever you want to call them. And, um, you, you really get to, like, if you're making some mistakes, you're really, uh, you're going to really hear your mistakes, but then sometimes you're like, okay, I'm actually not doing that too, too bad. You know, because you're hearing yourself. Sometimes that distortion, which is a nice security blanket, but it's, it's, we're hiding under it sometimes. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, but the, for at home, I'm not saying to go jump out tomorrow with a very axe and go, you know, shred acoustically. But at home, it's a good way to really warm up and like, hey, that's not too bad. I'll make a mental note on that one. That, that, now that's cool. another thing cool about that very axe is they've got some jazz pickups in there. Yes, yeah, jazz guitar models that sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I play, I, I I plug that thing in, I turn on the the little mechanism in there, and in and man, I'll tell you, I can get some really great tones with that. Just sitting there playing, you know, big a big. Uh, here's a good one for you. Note for note. Okay. Look up, look up Tequila by Wes Montgomery. Okay. Okay, and try to figure that one out note for note. Okay. Um, that's a tough one. That <laughs> that that that's my kind of a. a that's been my uh, Mount that's, Everest. Okay. Uh, uh, on on jazz guitar and i've got it about probably two-thirds of the way nice which is great there's one little chord that he does his guitar solo section in like three parts he does kind of a, a a simple uh octave thing in the very beginning and then he gets into a faster kind of moving around with octaves in the center of it and then the very end of the guitar solo is all chords moving around with just these amazing chords, uh, you know, like different inversions and stuff yeah. and back and forth into, you know, all these six and diminished chords. It's like unbelievable what he does. And I'm sitting down, I, I'm sitting, I've been sitting trying to learn it note for note, just cause that's something I do. I always learn note for note stuff and it's just, you know, it's just a pain. But uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> I like the way you described it as Mount Everest. Yeah, so that's your pinnacle. I like that. As, yeah, yeah. as a kid, my mom would always tell me, you know, something on a, on a similar level. She'd always say, Eric, why can't you learn to play like Chet Atkins? Because Chet Atkins was the, the bomb for her. And uh, I'm like, like, first of all, Chet Atkins didn't squeal and didn't do whammy bar dive. So it really didn't interest me. But man, I would give anything to have listened to her for, you know, just to try to learn some of those chops. Because uh, you look at some of these guys and some of the the biggest uh, country bands out there today, uh, and country's a different uh, a variety of country than when we were growing up. But still, these guys that are out there um, are shred masters. They literally, oh, you know, rock and rollers to, to at heart. Well, first of all, just a couple of things about that. What you said about your mom mm-hmm. is the same thing my dad said about me learning jazz. Cool. He told me when I was young, you should learn jazz. Well, right. I didn't listen to him. Of course. Now I'm killing. I'm kicking myself. Mm-hmm. I tell him that and he laughs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, see, 
Yep. <laughs> and then and then the other thing is when it comes to country pickers, mm-hmm. did you know I was really heavily inspired to play guitar in my as a kid when I was like six years old. Um, I was the reason why I wanted to play guitar at all was because of an album my mom had called "Open Up Your Heart" by Buck Owens. Okay. And the chicken picking on that uh, really grabbed my attention, and, and the the um, the studio guitar player that Buck used on that album was James Burton. Oh, nice! Yes, yes, yes. So that's another one. If anybody wants to hear some cool what I was influenced by, so to speak, uh, stuff, open up your heart by Buck Owens. Listen to all that stuff, and you'll you know, I could sing most of those songs uh, word for word, and I'd know I can't play all the licks. Right, but, right. But I mean, I, I when I was a kid, I loved that album. My mom played it all the time. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know what's really cool, too? If you look at it, you go to concerts, you know, outside of when you're not performing, you see some concerts sometimes. And I'm not a country fan, per se. Um, you know, I, I really just don't get into the music. And I'm not saying it's just not my taste. I don't know any. I, I know some of the big mainstream artists, but I don't know, like, uh, you know, some of the old school ones. But you go to a country concert and you watch some of these guitar players and you can take volume so much louder in a country band than you can metal because it's just... You know, maybe we're getting older. I don't know, but it's just—you know—it's not as distorted. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, you walk by a PA cabinet or something, you got a horn with a guy with a really loud Telecaster, like a Brad Paisley or something. You might get a couple pops in the ear, but it's—it's it's amazing how much more you can take volume-wise in a country band than you can some rock bands. Right. I, I would have to agree with you on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's kind of because I mean, when you, you, if you compare uh, uh, country music with rock metal or any of that kind of stuff. It's metal's more like you're listening to white noise. It it's can just be. that constant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Know, where you're actually hearing real nice tones in country, you know, you're hearing the real stuff. Yeah, there's some breathing know? space. <laughs> a little bit of breathing space. Yeah. <laughs> the only breathing space you get in a lot of metal is a noise gate, like a, ch- a tight gate. Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> chug, and you get a half a millisecond of, of uh, kind of ear, awesome. ear break. Uh, let me see here. A couple last questions here. Um, actually, while I go after I come back from the questions, I just want to ask you too to tell us a little bit about how things are working out um, with Perry. You've got a half a dozen shows now under your belt, and to see what he's brought to the band for uh, kind of adrenaline wise and and just you know new camaraderie. But we'll come back to that question in a second. Um, so what Jay's Tacos and Guitars was referring to when he said Kiko, he was thinking of Kiko from Megadeth. He thought maybe it was Kiko from Megadeth making a guest because it sounded like it. So that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, FNAF Gamers is here. Uh, Colin says, hey, Eric from Chicago. Uh, Blimpus says, Oz, will you do a lead vocal for a song on a Striper record? If that was ever presented to you, if Michael said, hey, you want to take a lead, would you Would you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, I, I would. Mm-hmm. I'd do it. You know, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd rather not, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> if he asked me to, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, you know? that's cool. Or um, would you be more comfortable in a live environment if he says, here, take this one? Well, I do that live. Okay, all right. Yeah, I actually sing uh, it, it, it live. It, it gives them a breather if I yeah. can take a line. Nice. You know, and so uh, live, I, uh, I I sing the first line of the chorus of uh, Calling on You. Okay. So it just kind of goes, yeah, you make my life complete. And I go right after that into the background with Perry. Make my life complete. You know, that kind of a thing. Okay. And then he takes over from there. But it gives him a breather. So he can, <clears throat> you know, take a short little break. Now, I recently, uh, he had me start singing um, um, on the new song, Goddamn Evil, 
uh, he had me. He 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 has me singing. There's a at, right after the guitar solos. There's kind of a breakdown section where he sang a lower version, an octave lower version of the goddamn evil chorus. Mm-hmm. He's having me sing that live, and uh, and he's also having me sing the end um, of uh, of the way um, right before he does the scream. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it's the end chorus. Because in Vegas, I actually cover that in the Sin City Sinners when I play with them. Um, we so we do that song, and I, I lead sing the song. Perfect. So you've got it. So so doing the end of the, the last chorus where it goes higher and goes, you know, does all that kind of cool different thing, he has me take that over so he can get ready to do the scream live, you know. And uh, it's it works, it works works great. Perfect. So I, I used to always like that with Van Halen as well too, especially more so when uh, Sammy was in the band. Like I'm a David Lee Roth uh, fan through and through, but when Sammy was in the band, you'd see Michael Anthony picking up uh, more of uh, some little lead lines, and it was really nice. Sammy gets a break. Uh, the fans go crazy because it's someone else other than the lead singer, and then especially when the person that's other than the lead singer can really sing, you're like, whoa, this is yeah. awesome. Well, I think we're gonna see if we can incorporate Perry into some of that too, because he's also a great great singer that's so, good to have that's good yeah that would be fine and, and our vocals have never sounded better i mean i'm telling you this guy can sing he that, can sing really well that's I good mean, so many we, things i mean i mean i'm listening back to some of the you know the youtube stuff that people put up it sounds like we're using tracks and we're not wow <laughs> and that's just like some of the bootleg stuff that you're hearing yeah wow it's pretty cool yeah. yeah, you can never so, have too many good vocals in the band at, at all, ever. It's, yeah, the only the only band that I know of that I've seen so far that has the that those kind of vocals is is uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Night Ranger. Okay, we just saw them at M three. Mm-hmm. Those guys can sing; they are great. Yeah, you guys they, were on the same bill, same day, right on Saturday. We ran out. Yeah, we were on the same day. Fantastic. Yeah, I would have loved to have been to that show. That would have been yeah. fantastic. Well, the, yeah, he, so we, we, we jumped right into Perry there. Tell us a little bit. So he comes to the band. And obviously, he's uh, you guys have kind of crossed paths over the years and different bands as well. Um, <clears> but what has he brought as far as like always getting somebody in a new in the band kind of shakes up the band in a good way sometimes? And, and tell us how it's kind of changed the nucleus and maybe the morale of, of Striper. Yeah, well, you know, Perry is just uh, just a wonderful guy. He's laid back. He's got a great heart. Um, he just is happy to be a part of what we're doing. Um, for the longest time, he was in doing country, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and you know, it's it's being in a band with us. It's it's more like family to him. Okay. It's it's something. I guess I would imagine it's he started off doing it you know, doing the rock thing and, you know, back in the firehouse days when he was in firehouse. Mm -hmm. Um, so he had that camaraderie thing going And and when you're playing in the country scene, you know, you're pretty much a hired guy, Yeah. you know, and you never know who the next guy is. that's going to get hired to come in. You can't really get close to anyone. No. I imagine you make friends, but you know, but, um, but this is like a family. You know, we treat each other like family. We care about each other. We make sure everybody's doing okay. And you know, um, you know, Michael Sweet's uh, wife Lisa mm-hmm. is a big part of the management team, and she makes sure everybody's taken care of. Nice. 
she's the most fair person uh, I've ever seen work with this band and make it, it make it uh, like a family, right? And, and caring. Um, and so she's a huge part of why this band even works anymore. You know, um, so and, and and I have to attribute a lot of what the, the band's success to what she's brought into the table. And so, you know, I think Perry really appreciates that. He appreciates that. He appreciates, uh, you know, how we all just are like brothers and we brought him in like, you know, the new brother-in-law and, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, you're ours now. That's right. Well, the, the circle of trust out there, you know, everyone's circle of trust these days is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think you you nailed it by saying family because for the most part, I mean, if families can be dysfunctional too, but, you know, there's no one that's going to look out for your better interests than family for the most part. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the odd strays here and there, but that's really good. So the, the nucleus there is being looked after. Is it something that you find you guys are like, take work aside. So we're not gigging. Is there a lot of hangout time, um, you know, social activities and things with, uh, with the band members? Well, well we try to, you mm-hmm. know, when we can, I mean, a lot of times during off season when we're not doing anything, mm-hmm. there's, everybody's got their families and their lives and, you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to get you know hey how are you you know or whatever mm-hmm. once in a while you know we'll reach out hey what's going on are you okay you know whatever but but it doesn't happen that often and I, I think we need to do it more honestly um, but but then we always come back together and then there's always a lot to talk about you know yeah. what what everybody's been doing and you know it's 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 kind of cool you know in that respect but. We just we just got on this thing called Marco Polo. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, but it's an app that is like it's video. They, they call it video texting. Oh, okay. It's it's not really texting. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're sending a message on a video to whoever is on your contacts. Okay. And when they have time to go and look at it, then they can watch your video, your message. And then send you one back. Okay. And then when you have time to see it, then you find it. It gives you a little alert signal and all that stuff. So we've all been kind of throwing Marco Polos at each other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like tag almost. You're it. Right. And so that's kind of how we've been, you know, keeping in touch with each other lately. I like that. Uh, yeah, it works really well. I do it with my kids, you know, all no, the time. So no, And so- all my kids are growing up now, so. Okay. You know? <laughs> Well, some some guys and, and guys and girls in different bands, uh, you know, they don't even live in the same state. Are you guys somewhat within driving distance for among one, one another? The only people, uh, the only person that lives uh, close to each other, Robert and I, because we oh. live in Vegas. Oh, okay, right. Uh, Michael lives in Massachusetts. Perry lives in Tennessee. Okay, so a bit of a bit so, of a scatter, a little bit. Yeah, it's quite a scatter. Yeah, but but I mean. Um, you, you know, again, we the, the, you do your best to keep in touch with each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and it seems like the Marco Polo thing is working better for us in that respect. So, you know, at least we can, you know, hit each other up every now and then on that. That's good. I like uh, that Marco Polo thing. That's pretty. That's cute. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. works good. Uh, so, but but Perry, let me tell you, he's he's really brought a huge, just like lift to the band, in so many ways. And um, he's got a great sense of humor. He kind of he's got a low voice, and he has a little bit of a southern drawl because he's from South Carolina. And, and um, it's just all around a really super nice guy that just 
you know, wants to be a part of the band and is happy to be a part of it. And we're happy to have him. Yeah. I, it, he's amazing. His vocals are just, I mean, his bass playing is very solid. It's very tight, you know, but uh, aside from that, his vocals are amazing. We, we've never sounded better. That's it's good. Just, yeah. Now, did I read somewhere? I, I, I swear I did. Um, it, I started to see a lot more social media things happening in, in a good positive way when he joined the band. Is he into like, some multimedia stuff in that too? Doesn't he bring like, some extra tricks to the band too? Or, or, or am I just thinking of something else? Um, Marketing or, you know, promotions or... You, you know, his his wife, Shelly, has more to do with that, I think. Okay. You know, um, I think she kind of pushes it and gets him on and... It's good. Does, it's good to be in, yeah, communicating yeah, yeah, yeah. and interacting. And uh, Michael's really good with that as well, too. And obviously, Michael's really good with it. Yeah, he he, he keeps in tabs with, with all kinds of stuff. Robert um, Robert hasn't really been too much on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not his thing, you know. Uh, he'll do it if he he you know is asked to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife will help him with it, you know, when he needs to. Mm-hmm. I am. I can do it, and I don't do it as much as I should. Mm-hmm. I think I spend more time showing people what I'm eating. I, I know your Instagram for sure. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? People like that, and you know what? That's that's a kind of a way you can do it without having being bombarded. You know, you know that's just your thing, and this is my normal life. If you want to yeah. come and see me, the rock star, come to my show, and I'll rock right. out for you. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, here's my normal life. I, I like being normal. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Kind of, I mean, if you notice, this is kind of my. Well, I went, <laughs> I went to Walmart today and got this shirt because I didn't have a dress shirt, you know, for for <laughs> dinner. So I went and got this George. They call him George. Yeah, we have him here in Canada <laughs> too. I'm, I actually have George. Yep. But but let me show you something, okay? okay. Most of the time, um, I'm 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 in shirts like this, okay. I'll wear t-shirts like this, <laughs> okay. I. I it's just really silly, you know, stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> just because I, I, I just, I'm just one of those kind of guys. I'm well, laid you, back and tongue in cheek at the same time. You know, what's really funny if we're going to end this on a perfect note, we're going to wrap up here in a second. But here's, we're ending off with uh, Oz Fox buying George shirts. And we started off the hour uh, with Michael Sweet doing a laundry. So there's yes. your life of rock stars. It's not it's not all the uh, you know the circus uh, ringleaders and you know uh, goats and all this other kind of stuff with you know things going on backstage. It's rock stars doing laundry and buying George shirts. If 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 we didn't have some kind of normal down to earth things in our lives, mm-hmm. we'd go crazy. That's right. <laughs> and well, you know what we're gonna have to do uh, when we get, when you get off the air, you have to tease Michael and say when I have him back on the show sometime. Uh, because I was so uh, flustered at the beginning, I called uh, you, uh, the you know Striper's guitar player, Michael, uh, you know Michael Sweet. So when when he comes back, I'll say Striper's lead vocalist, Oz Fox. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him back. So, but it's it's awesome. I'm very very happy to have you here. We're going to wrap up here in a second, but uh, um, I've got right. links down below to pretty much all your social profiles. We've got your website on there as well too, so people can find that academy that you're talking about. I did not. Academy. Yeah, perfect. So uh, have a look down below. Subscribe to Oz's uh, platforms, uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. Follow him on those platforms. Um, and uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Anything that's uh, any uh, promotions or charity gigs or right? Just anything at all you want to mention before we uh, we conclude? You know, I mean, uh, if anything, you know, my whole thing is uh, it's great to be back out on tour again. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to do more and more albums. Hopefully, people will go out and find the new uh, goddamn evil album. 
and um, you know they, they'll enjoy it. Like to make a quick mention, um, if anybody, uh, my my wife runs a nonprofit that helps women get out of sex trafficking, uh, called uh, Hookers for Jesus. And, um, you know, it, she does really great work and she's got a lot of people behind her. So, you know, she's always looking for people to support and help out however they can. So, you know, look her up. Her name's Annie Lobert. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I'm totally behind what she does. It's just an amazing thing. I get to spend time with the girls. She helps every Sunday. We take them to lunch. And nice. It's really great. That is yeah. an epidemic. That's a bad, bad epidemic. And people tend to want to look away sometimes because they don't want to deal with things like that. But it is an epidemic. I, I work with Crime Stoppers in the local area here as well, too. And I get to hear about things like that. And uh, it, it's good that she's uh, she's assisting in that in that avenue for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's really great. And if you do, she's got a book out called Fallen. Uh, and it's actually called Fallon. Okay. But, it, but uh, it, it's under the title Fallen. Okay. And, um, um, and her name's Annie Lobear. You can get it on Amazon and you can see her story. And she talks a little bit about me too. So oh, nice. <laughs> That's cool. Well, g- thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. And people in the chat are really enjoying this interview as well too. Uh, G-Man says, thanks, Eric, for this great interview. Blimpus says, I still have my Oz Fox Bible and the Sign Striper book. Uh, nice. Ricky Mises, thanks uh, for this, Eric. Nice to meet Oz. I uh, saw the band during the 80s. So this this was great. And I'm going to uh, cordially invite you back sometime, maybe towards the summer or fall, maybe towards the end of the tour. I'd Come love back. to be here. Yeah, the, thank you so very much. And uh, I'll say hi to Adam for you, and you'll probably see him before I do. But uh, it's nice to talk uh, about our, our brother from another brass block mother as well. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, go help uh, Fulton launch you with uh, Michael there. I'm sure he needs some assistance. Yep. I'm going to go help him right now. That sounds good. And tell him thanks again uh, uh, for the hospitality of the uh, the internet there as well, too. And we will talk to you very, very soon. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air, so don't go by, uh, don't go away yet. I'm going to say everyone, okay. uh, everyone have a fantastic good, weekend. Everybody. Mother's Day weekend, everybody. Go spend some time with uh, your mom and your wife and all those good things. And make sure you spoil the uh, the mom in your life uh, very, very uh, especially this weekend. Have a good one. Oz, we'll see you in two seconds. Everyone, Thanks. have a good one. See you next time. Cheers. Hey, AVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.